Steve said it well. We're two weeks in, and God is moving. People need to share because God is moving. People need to tell others what God is doing. Today, I believe God has something again he wants to share with us. He wants to address with us, and it will be good for us. Two themes I want you to pay attention for as we move through the message. Power and love. Power and love. Look for these two themes. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It's all about relationship. And I just realized I didn't choose anybody to read this week. My wife, Deb, would you come forward and read for me? Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. That's what you get for marrying the pastor, I guess. You stand with me, please. I didn't get the text out Saturday night. I didn't choose anybody to read this morning. Yikes. Yikes. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Deb. I know I can always count on you. That's why I married you. This passage is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. It's actually all about the believer's relationship with God. That's the title. It's all about relationship. Remember, I'm sure you've heard this. Christianity slash salvation is not a religion. We're not really a religious bunch. Did you know that? It's all about a relationship. We have a relationship with the Lord. We walk in relationship with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, in the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life. Hold on, give me one second, please. Two seconds. Three seconds. Two more seconds. I know God wants you to hear this message. Somebody else might not. Okay, Ron, can you change the slides from the, from the back? 
So we're still on the side with the title. This is eternal life, Jesus' own words. Not that you necessarily do good works or, or, or this or that. It's, this is eternal life, that they know you. This is Jesus speaking, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is salvation. This is eternal life. This is Christianity, that we know God and we walk in relationship with him. Two primary themes I mentioned that, that Paul emphasizes here in this prayer. Power, which we looked at last week. Love, which we'll look at this week after a brief review. Two, two, these are two primary themes of our relationship with Christ. These are two primary aspects of our salvation. Power, love, both necessary, not one without the other, both. The power, this would be a brief review. Last week's title was Conduits of His Power. And you remember the context is prayer. It's intercessory prayer. Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And from these recorded prayers of Paul, we learn some timeless principles. It's going to help us pray for others. Did you ever think to pray for somebody and you're just not sure how to pray for them? Some of these principles, we begin applying these principles, we'll pray for others according to the principles of, that Paul uses. Ephesians 3.16, Paul prays from God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. We talked about that last week. He will empower you. Paul prays that God will empower them, the Ephesian believers, ordinary folks, just like you and me. That he will empower them with his unlimited resources through his spirit who dwells within us. We illustrated from scripture, many scriptures, the primary thought. God empowers his people with his unlimited power. And power relates to ability, being fully capable. You are so much more than you realize you are. You are capable of so much more than you realize you are. And teenagers... I'm speaking to you. We do a disservice to our teenagers in this nation. We don't expect enough of them. If you look in Scripture, Daniel was 16 when he became the influence in the kingdom of Babylonia. Mary, the virgin, was 17 when she conceived the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't expect enough of our young people. God has great plans for you. Great things for you to do now, not when you become an adult, when you become 40 or 50. God has plans for you now. And if you know Christ, the same level of power and energy of the Holy Spirit is within you at any age. You don't get more of the power, more of the Spirit. You do learn to walk in it and have it become more manifest. But if you know Christ, it's yours now. I have felt this for a long time, and I know Stephen does too. We do a disservice to our teenagers. We don't expect enough of them. We dumb them down. We do that in the world. We do that in the church as well. 
He empowers us with his power, which is ability, which is capability, which is everything we need, his unlimited resources to accomplish his will for us, to do the works that God calls us to do. This is important. Hopefully it's all important, but this is important because it's a popular misconception that we have in the church. God does not just simply sprinkle magic dust over a situation or a circumstance or an individual into an individual's life or a community or a nation and poof the work's done god works through people satan works through people too we don't have any problem believing that but god works through people satan works through people to accomplish his dastardly deeds God works through people to accomplish his glorious works. Us. It's not just, okay, you pray and I'll sprinkle magic dust over here and make it happen. Oftentimes when we pray for something, we're the answer to that prayer. And we wonder why the prayer is not being answered. We haven't responded. Deb Fry told us so clearly in her testimony, when God speaks, listen. I think every one of us has a story where we didn't listen to God and either bad things happened or good things didn't happen. God told us to do something or do something or think something or whatever it was, and we ignored it. Very few of us would intentionally say, no, God. But most of us would say, well, was that really God? Am I really able to do that, you know? I know me. He would never expect that of me. Get somebody else. It's like Moses said, here I am, God, send Aaron. Here I am, God, send Aaron. Okay. You get it? You just don't find it funny. Okay. I got that. Much has been lost. This is my opinion. Much has been lost because we as believers and we the church have failed to recognize this truth that God empowers us to do his works. Many of us are waiting on him and he's waiting on us. Well, I can tell you one thing. God is making sure that we hear this in these days, not just us but his church. He's making sure that this message is getting out for those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church because God is going to work mightily through his people, not through magic dust that he sprinkles out there, but through his people as we walk in obedience and relationship with him. Including you teenagers, don't sell yourself short. God wants to use you. Ephesians 2.10, just so you know, there are works for us to do. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You say, why was Gloria taken home, which is so, so great? Whenever somebody of glorious stature who we know knew the Lord, who we, who we know is in heaven, it's taken home. My first thought is always this, man. Now she knows everything that we're still wondering about. She has perfect knowledge. We're still wondering. You say, well, why did he take Gloria home and bring 
Ray back. Gloria's mission, her task, her assignment on earth was completed. It was perfect timing. And he took her home. Ray still has work to do, and God has made that very clear to him. That's why he could tell Ray in the prayer meeting Wednesday, not only are you going to be in church in spirit Sunday, you're going to be in church in body. And those of us with tremendous faith looked at him and like, that's a bold statement, sir. But he believed it, and he fully believed it. And here he is. Now, here's a verse that has given the modern-day church a lot of trouble. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have been doing, or I have done, and even greater works because I go to my Father. But our faith is increasing, isn't it? And we're starting to believe this somewhat, aren't we? The purpose of having the power of Christ in us is to accomplish the works that Christ has for us. It's just not so that we can puff out our chest and be powerful. It's so we can accomplish these things. Power has everything to do with ability, capability, being fully able. His power within us, we can do anything he asks of us. And the enemy cannot stand against us. That doesn't mean you'll never get beat up. Stephen and James both lost their lives in this cause. But it means you have the power to do and accomplish anything that God calls you to do, unintimidated and unhindered. Look at Paul. He was beat up several times by mobs. And yet when they wanted his head, he tried to rush into the arena. The government officials had to keep him out. He was unintimidated because he knew the power of Christ in him. They would not be able to harm him unless God allowed it. When they said they were going to kill Jesus, they said, we're going to kill you. Jesus just smiled at him <coughs> smugly in a good way and said, you have no power over me unless my father grants it to you. We can walk unintimidated because of the power with which he has empowered us. Now, the second aspect of Paul's prayer, our relationship with Christ in which we walk is love. It says, 317, so it says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that's a connecting word. It could read in order that or for this purpose. So that connects verse 16 with verse 17. I pray that God will empower you for this reason, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Another thought, before we actually get to love, that, that's the next verse. But this, this leads to that because Christ is in our hearts. The word dwell. The word dwell means more than simply exist in a particular location. It means to be firmly settled. It means to be completely comfortable in that environment, to be at home there, to be fully familiar with. Christ should be fully familiar with, completely confident and comfortable in our hearts. He should dwell there. It's not just that Jesus lives within us, Dwell carries a sense of a deep, intimate relationship. He has a deep relationship with us. We have a deep relationship with him. How much closer can it get? He's within us. Many of us walk through life as Christians, honestly, and never realize that. He's within us. He's that close. 
I don't want to sing about you as if you're not in the room. I want to talk right at you. I want to look right at you. It's relationship. He dwells within us. Individually, you and me, if we're believers. Corporately, in here. He is dwelling right now in here. He's comfortable being in here. He's familiar in here. He's dwelling with his people, wherever his people are gathered, not just Columbia Christian Fellowship. The fullness of God is with us. Are we aware of it? That's where we have to ask him to help us. Help us become aware of your presence. Help us become aware of the power that you've given us. That's why Paul's praying for the Ephesians. He doesn't want them to walk through their entire Christian life and not know this and not realize this and miss out on this. I say it time and time again. If I don't really understand that or enter into that, will it affect my salvation? No. Will it affect how much God loves me? And we're going to look at that in a moment. No. Will it affect how much you experience him and serve him and live a full Christian life here? Yes. And much of the church and many of us are living very substandard, sub-biblical standard Christian lives. For a variety of reasons. But God is about to change that. You can see that here in this, mor- this morning with the testimonies. God is about to change that. He is about to move mightily and accomplish great things. I shouldn't even say he's about to move. He is moving. He, God always corrects me on that when I tell somebody, you know, God's about ready to move. Oh, no. God wants me to say he is already moving. He has already begun this work that he's doing. Still in Ephesians 3.17, the love thing. I got to it a little uh, too quickly. But that your roots, I'm praying that God will empower you so that your roots will grow down. I'm praying that God will empower you so that your roots will grow down into his love and it will keep you strong. God's love keeps you strong. Do you know? Do you know? How much God loves you. Well, by the way, Steve, you said yes too fast. (laughs) Because we really don't. And Paul says, it's so deep you can't even comprehend it. We're going to get to that. You, You can't quite understand it. Not in your own strength. Not in your own understanding. But I'm going to pray for you, Paul said, that you'll begin to understand it. And you'll begin to have an experience of his love in your life. And it's going to be nothing like you could ever ask or imagine. How much he loves us. For those of of us who have experienced some of God's love, it's the tip of the iceberg. Which we'll see here in a moment. Your roots grow down deep into God's love. That's the image of a tree or a plant. Sends its roots deep into the ground. And that tree or that plant, through the sturdy roots, becomes what? Strong, unshakable, immovable. Scripture always refers to our relationship with God as strong, unshakable, immovable. Never uses the words intimidated or fearful or afraid or anxious or worried. Those are works of the flesh. 
Our relationship with him is to be rooted, anchored, embedded, and established in his love for us. This is what Jesus was referring to in the Gospel of John when he taught on the vine and the branches. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Make sure you stay deeply rooted in me. Any vine that gets pulled out of me withers and dies. And many of us are walking with a very loose root connection to him. We don't spend much time cultivating that relationship, do we? There's too many other important things to tend to. Therefore, we're not strong, unshakable, and immovable. And we're not a church where Jesus can say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell seem to be having a great success against the church these days. It's changing, though. It's changing and it's going to change. Paul is conveying the idea here. The the title was, It's All About Relationship, which at first I thought, how does that title fit this passage? But Paul is conveying the idea of a solid, deep, intimate relationship between the believer and God. It's based on power and love, where the aspects are power and love. That's what that relationship is is compounded. That's the compounds of that relationship, power and love. They're not mutually exclusive. They compensate. They, they, uh, is that the right word? They, 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 uh, they what? They complement. Thank you. Not compensate. They complement one another. It's a love relationship. And out of this love relationship, we can live confidently and boldly. And God can empower us and he can work through us. When we don't know how much we're loved and we're not walking boldly and confidently, we can be so easily intimidated by the devil. And we are. He steals our confidence. It's one of the first things he goes for. He steals our confidence. And then we back down. Because we know we are loved. And here's a tough one for many of us. Because we know we are accepted by him, just as we are. You mean I don't have to change, Pastor? Yes and no. It's in your best interest to change. But he loves you just as you are. As one of my friends who became a missionary said, and, and I've never forgotten this, God loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to let you stay as you are. It's in your best interest to allow God to change you. It's in his best interest to allow him to change you. There is therefore now to us who know Christ, and again, you're like, what? You know this verse, but has it really sunk in? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Satan likes to heap condemnation on God's people, guilt, shame, especially when we sin, even if we don't, but especially when we sin. And I had to deal with that this week, that God, or Satan was trying to heap condemnation on me, and I had to verbally quote this verse to get through that attack. 
There is therefore now no condemnation. You are worthwhile. You are of great value. You are of great worth to God just as you are. And that's all that really matters, right? Paul is praying that by God's empowering, the Ephesian believers would develop a very real awareness of the living Christ within him. It's one of the things God is trying desperately to do in the church in these days. It's necessary. It's urgent that we will develop a very real awareness of a deep relationship with the living Christ that will walk in that, that will live out of that, that we won't just come to church Sunday morning and expect it there, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of the week, we're aware of his presence and he's using us. I never do the counting. I just rely on what other people say, but it's been said that 99% of Jesus' miracles were done outside of the synagogue, out in the world where the people needed it. Most of our work's done in here. Come on, we're all about in church. We're all about in church ministry. And out there, that's going to change. That is changing. You're going to come in weekly, weekly. There's going to be weeks where I won't be able to preach because of your testimonies of what God did through you. And you're going to be bringing in the harvest with you people that God led you, people that God used you to lead to him. Then they're going to come in here and they're going to be taught and they're going to be healed and they're going to be delivered and they're going to go out there and they're going to bring in the harvest. Can you see it? And that's you, not the person sitting next to you. Yeah, them too, but that's you. It's a relationship that we walk in that's based on God's incredibly deep love for believers, his incredibly deep love for his children, for you and for me. We always say in here, you're so much more than you realize you are. And today I want to tweak that and say, you are so much more loved by God than you realize you are. Because you know yourself. And Satan helps you to think lowly of yourself. There is a danger that we don't start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. But honestly, that's not really our problem in here. Not too much. We think too lowly of ourselves. Thinking too lowly of yourselves hinders God from working through you just as much as thinking too highly of yourself. Actually, it's probably easier on this side because all he has to do, man, is pull back his blessing and his favor. And we're like, he brings us back to earth. We start thinking rightly about ourselves. It's hard to get somebody who thinks poorly of themselves to start believing the truth of the Bible and think positively about themselves. I struggled with that for years. I got saved out of fear. I didn't want to go to hell, but it took me a long time to really believe that God loved me. And I'm still learning that, how much God loves me. And it's still a bit of a struggle. Because I know me. But anyhow, that's why Paul is praying for them that God will empower them to realize this. Neither they nor us have the ability, the power, to comprehend this. Therefore, Paul is asking God, help them 
Help them to comprehend this. Empower them to do so. He actually says that in the next verse. He's, Ephesians 3.18. He's praying that you have the power to understand, comprehend, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. It's not important to define those words. That's the first thing we think. What does he mean by high, wide? No, don't even try and define them. They're simply terms of measurement. They're terms we use when we're measuring things. The height, the width, the length, the depth. Paul just wants the Ephesians to know his love is unlimited. No matter what measurement, no matter what direction you go, height, depth, width, length, You'll never come to the end of his love for you. It's infinite. Oh, man, that we knew some of that love. How that would change our lives. And we think they'll know we're his followers by when we speak in tongues, do miracles, signs, and wonders. And there's a yes to that. But what does it really say the bottom line is? How will they know we're followers of Christ? By the way, we love one another because we're experiencing his love. It's flowing through us to each other, including you teenagers. His love is unlimited. So much that we can't understand it. Steve, I know that your answer was, yeah, you know, I I know he loves me. But we can't understand the extent, the fullness of that love. God has to actually help us understand that. And that's why Paul's praying for him. Not a bad thing for us to start praying for each other, wouldn't you say? It's one of those timeless principles we can gain from Paul's praying. Ephesians 3.19. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be, you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. That comes from God. As we experience the love of God for us, we become more confident of the power of God in us. As we grow in our understanding and this relationship, we become more usable to God. We're enabled to enter into the fullness of life that we so desire. I know you are thinking this even if you didn't say it or you thought it somewhere along the way. There's got to be more to this Christian life. How many have at least thought that at some time? What? Well, we're worse, we're, we're worse off than I thought. We're not even thinking that. We have to at least start thinking that so that we move towards it. There's got to be more. Aren't you reading the word? Don't you see the discrepancy between what God was doing in their lives and what God's doing in our lives? I mean, it screams to me when I read that. And Peter and John said to him, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we'll give you some. Rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked. Oh, that was only for them, right? No, that's the bill of goods we've been fed. I read that stuff and I'm like, woe is me. Look at the discrepancy between the Christian life I've lived for, and by the way, Tuesday's January 16th. Deb and I got saved on the same day. It's been 40, it'll be 44 years on Tuesday since we came to know the Lord. Yeah. 
But here's the rub. I feel like I don't know nothing. 44 years, I'm like, and this is all the further I am? This is all I got? There's got to be more. I see it in the Word. If it wasn't in the Word, then I'm barking up a wrong tree. I'm blowing smoke. But I see it in the Word. He who believes in me will do the same works that I'm doing. Well, I believe in him. I put my trust in him. Did he not mean that? How about if you listen to me and if you obey my commandments, I won't allow any of the diseases that you see in the world to come upon you. Did he not mean that when he said it? Protection for his people from sickness and illness and plague? There's a discrepancy there that I think God wants us to to examine carefully. He's not not being critical. He's saying, I have so much more for you, and actually you need so much more for what's going to be coming in the days ahead in the world. There's going to be a great move of God, but it's not going to come without clashes with the enemy. Paul said, don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. And one way that you cannot be ignorant of the enemy's schemes is to know the truth of God and be so secure in the truth of God, the enemy cannot intimidate you or bring his schemes upon you. I know I'm giving you a lot today, and I see some of your brains are starting to leak out your ears. So, But I want to close with something that I feel is very important. John 10.10, 10, as a thief came only to steal, kill, and destroy, that's Satan's role. I have come, Jesus, that they might have life and they might have it to the full. When we understand the love and the power of our relationship, we live in that fullness of life that Jesus came. Satan's intention to steal and kill. Listen as Paul summarizes all what what he prayed for now. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power that's at work where? In the heavenlies? Are you listening? I'm going to read it again. Just the first two sentences. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work. Where? What? Within us. His great power within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. It's not just his power out there, which he is powerful wherever he is. It's his power in here, through his mighty power that's at work within us. And through us is what God is trying to get across to the church. And this was something that Paul had obviously experienced. Many of the apostles, many of the disciples, many of the believers of that day had experienced it as well. He wants this to be the Ephesians experience. That's why he's praying for them. And it says throughout all generations, that's us. My desire for you is for us is the same as Paul's desire for the Ephesians, that we would experience the fullness of this. That this church would experience the fullness of this. That this church will always be on the cutting edge of what the Holy Spirit's doing in the world. If we can't be, take me out. We can't be take us out. We're not interested in a social club. We're interested in being in the front lines 
of what God is doing in the world. Bold words, I know, and I often pay the price for them, but I honestly do believe that. Let's move to an application. Pull out your bulletin inserts. You don't have to fill them out now. Actually, you might want to fill them out in your devotions tomorrow or as we worship or at some point as you give it some thought, but pull out your bulletin insert. And it says this. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And what we're asking you to do is to list a situation or a circumstance or any matter in which you want to see God move, but it has seemed impossible. List a situation or a matter or a circumstance or maybe a person, community, nation, whatever Holy Spirit lays on you to list there, in which you want to see God move, but it has seemed impossible. List that there. And begin to pray for it and commit it to prayer in, in, in 2024, according to Ephesians 3. That's the first part of the order call. The second part is the same as last week because we're going to be moving out of this focus now. We're moving to chapter 4 next week. We're done with the intercessory prayers from chapter 1 and chapter 3. So anyone listening? Anyone who has ears to hear what the Spirit has been saying to the church? Anyone who has a desire that there has to be something more to this Christian life? We see it in the Word. You desire a full, a more full experience off of what we heard today. You want this thing to become increasingly real to you? Then come forward and I'm going to pray over the church as we did last week. I'm going to pray the prayer from Ephesians 3. 14 through 21, over us. I'll simply pray the prayer, and I'll pronounce the benediction, and the worship team will close us out. If you want to come, come. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. Don't come for any other reason, though, than this is what you want. Don't come because other people are coming. Come because this is what you want. You've heard God speaking to your heart. Just line yourselves across the front. I can sort of sense Paul's heart for the Ephesians when he prayed that. He has experienced it, and he so wants them to experience it. I have experienced a fraction of it, and even that, I so want us to experience. And I know there's so much more, and I want all of us to experience that together. So I'm going to pray over you. However you do it, hands outstretched or on your knees or whatever, here's the prayer. Addressing our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I pray, I simply pray, I simply ask that from your glorious, unlimited resources, you will empower us, Columbia Christian Fellowship, with inner strength through your spirit. In order that Christ will be able to make his home and dwell in our hearts as we trust in him, and that our, our roots will grow down deeper and deeper into your love, which will keep us strong, bold, and confident. I pray and I simply ask that we would have the power to understand, as all of your people should, 
How wide, how long, how high, and how deep, how extensive and infinite your love for us is, for each one of us and for us as a church. And that we will know by experience, not just intellectually, we will know the love of Christ in all of its fullness. It will become tangible. It will become real to us. And only you can do that for us. We've tried and we've failed miserably. And after 44 years, we're still in this spot saying, wow, there's so much more. Would you make it real? Would you make it real? Then would you make us complete as individuals and as a church, complete in Christ, filled with all the fullness of your life and all the fullness of your power that you intend for your children? That's the prayer. Now I declare the benediction over the church. Now all glory be to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or even think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus, in our generation, and through all generations forever and evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Band, Sonny.